I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love, everyone. My name is Manny Faces. For 10 years, I covered hip-hop music and culture in and around New York City as an independent journalist and content creator. Only the uninformed would think that hip-hop's mecca was anything less than a continuously thriving, bubbling, evolving artistic and cultural ecosystem. But that wasn't always represented well by mainstream media, hip-hop or otherwise. And it's not just musicians and artists. Many people and organizations are using hip-hop in incredibly innovative and inspirational ways. In education, in schools, in youth outreach and counseling, in theater, in science and technology, in politics and activism, in New York and beyond. So I decided I would switch focus a bit so I could help amplify the stories of these innovators as well. Because I believe they know how to use the nation's most dominant youth culture in an authentic manner, in ways that could help solve some of our biggest problems. And I believe that they should be supported. Because I believe that hip-hop can save America. And so this podcast was born. Thanks for joining me as I talk to the folks who are responsibly using hip-hop music and culture to address, adjust, and in some cases, alleviate problems facing our country. Hip-Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip-Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicating to increasing public understanding of hip-hop culture. We're also brought to you by the award-winning Newsbeat Podcast. It's hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. And it also incorporates hip-hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. You can find Newsbeat by Mori Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip-Hop Can Save America airs weekly, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show, TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. We're also available on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Now, in this episode, I speak to an interdisciplinary hip-hop artist and educator who has been manifesting music and message since 2000. A veteran of more than a dozen international tours, including as a State Department cultural ambassador with the Music Abroad program, Mikhail Amin is someone I consider to be the epitome of a hip-hop teaching artist. I've known Macau, formerly known as The Hired Gun, for many years. He was one of the early examples of people I ran into doing amazing things with hip-hop, particularly involving youth in the city, across the country, and throughout the world. He's taught master classes, led workshops, lectured, published essays, produced and curated events, and most important, stood right by the sides of young people from all walks of life, helping them find their best selves through poetry, rap, and music. Macau is currently a program manager at the Brooklyn Academy of Music and the curator of the acclaimed Word, Sound, Power Showcase series at that venerable institution. He joined me to talk about his career, the power of hip-hop to uplift young people, the challenges and rewards of marrying hip-hop with more traditional-minded institutions, and what needs to be done to protect the culture of hip-hop against internal generational discord. 
Here's my conversation with my man, Macau Amin. Macau Amin, what's good, sir? Everything is good. I'm, I'm, ma- I'm manifesting. Ah, there you go. I appreciate that. Uh, manifesting. That's a, that's a good answer. Uh, it's good to have you here, and you know, I know you, consider you a friend and an inspiration. So I just I want to express my appreciation for you taking the time out to kick it with me today. No, nah, man. Like, likewise, it is a mutual feeling, my man. Mutual right feeling. This, this is a new endeavor, and I'm excited to have you, your voice as part of it, because I think a lot of what you do and what you've done is uh, really encapsulates what I'm what I'm trying to put out there to the world. So let me ask you real quick, as, as I know you do, as many of us do, uh, you wear several hats uh, <laughs> uh, and have for a long time. Uh, how would you currently kind of define who you are today uh, from a professional standpoint? Sure. I, I want to say I, I wear several hats, several coats, a few scarves, <laughs> yeah, a couple yeah. pairs of socks. I understand. Uh, <laughs> you got to lay, layer up. Layer up. It's cold out here. Yeah, man. It's cold out here in New York. You know, it's interesting. You know, I've, I feel like at the core of who I am in the core of what I do professionally, I'm really still an artist. Mm. So I've just kind of expanded that creative energy into other ways and fields and means. So I came to New York as a hip hop artist. Um, That was my goal. I achieved that. And I also at the same time knew that I wanted to work in community. I wanted to work with young people, but I didn't want to work in the traditional ways that I'd raised in. Uh, My father uh, is a retired high school teacher of 36 years, so I've always been around education. I've always been in public schools. I've been aware of its challenges, uh, its deficiencies, also its triumphs, and also, you know, the things that that make it something that is is worth saving and worth being about. About 12 years ago now, I found teaching artist work and begun that work, Um, and then that is really what is is what I love to do. But I also knew that in order to really impact change, it began to feel limiting. So the next step was, well, how can I be a, a resource and an advocate for not only students, but then also for teaching artists and teachers? And the way that I found that um, was to become an administrator, really by chance, you know, if I'm, if I'm really honest. Um, right. It wasn't something that I was necessarily shooting for, but once the opportunity opened up, I, I came to that realization of what, what could happen. Um, and then in my, my current iteration as a, a program manager in education at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, my, my predecessor, Dr. John Foster, good friend of mine, and, and I consider him a mentor as well, I took over the work that he was doing there, which afforded me an opportunity at that level um, to also get into producing and curating. But if I, if I back my story up a little bit, you know, there's a, an organization that I was a, a co-founder of um, and, and some former partners of mine, still great friends, Samuel Sellers, a.k.a. Rabbi Darkside, and Fabian Salcedo, a.k.a. Far Beyond, we've started a group called Third Party, then created a company that was producing events in New York City, Safe Word Entertainment, right. um, along with our former partner, great friend, one of my oldest homies, um, Arthur Yamamoto, uh, who was our business manager and, and our really kind of like our marketing contact and strategist uh, for those early years. So I'd been producing events in New York City um, with third party, independently, with other things before I even got to BAM. And I've only been reflecting on this in the last like six months, honestly, man, because it's like, you know, how did I, how did I get here? How, what did, how did all this stuff happen? Like, oh, wait, I've been doing all of this for years. Right. But, you know, you know, I, I, I know what I'm saying you totally relate to because you don't think about the work. You're just working. You don't right. think about all of the things that you've touched and all of the people you've touched and all of the right. things that you've put down. And right. then someone taps you on the shoulder and is like, hey, we need you to do this big thing. And you're like, me? Like, well, look at look, look, look at right. look behind you. Look at all the stuff behind you. Look at this right. big ass thing you have behind you. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was too busy trying to figure doing out what it. I could doing it to, to right. even think about it. It is an unconscious uh, endeavor sometimes just to keep pushing. Yeah. And, and I and I don't want to dwell on it too much but i think that's actually healthy to kind of maintain that because i think once you start sitting around and admiring all of the buildings you've put up you know you slow down right you slow down you get you get uh you get content you get you get satisfied right so hopefully i I can still have my 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 nose in the in the dirt and you know my hands in the soil and and worry about the crops when they have to get harvested at another time yeah for sure absolutely now you know and as some know i've been covering hip-hop music and culture in around new york for the most part, for, for many years myself, uh, you were actually one of the first people I started to really get into conversations about regarding uh, hip hop's use in other areas like education and, and youth counseling and such. 
which helped spark a lot of the ideas that now I'm working on. Uh, so you laid a foundation for that, you know, trying to tell these stories and forming the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy and, and doing my own lecturing on the topic and such. So I do want to thank you for that inspiration uh, and helping me take my own mission to the next level, as it oh. were. Oh, I appreciate that, man. And um, it's because of all the work that you did that, you know, like you said, I notice and you see people doing amazing things and you kind of want to either get involved or, in my case, try to tell those stories. So, again, I like that it's, you know, come a full circle that we're talking today as I try to, uh, like I say, launch this new endeavor, which is to tell the stories and relate some of the uh, successes and, and hardships of folks who are doing this, like, non-traditional work with hip-hop and other fields. So thank you for all of uh, your work and inspiration once again. No, no, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, let's talk about your prior work uh, a little bit first, uh, particularly incorporating, you know, poetry and spoken word and hip hop into your work with young people. Now, how, how do you look back on that time? Absolutely, absolutely. And and it's funny because and and this is what's always interesting to me with my my colleagues at BAM, really in a lot of places because I'm still doing that work. I just did a workshop um, with an amazing organization, Plot in partnership with a another institution, not an institution, they're, they're really a program as well, The Other Shores, doing um, storytelling workshops with young men that are in this program. Like a, It's like a big brother program that's happening in Crown Heights. So I, mm. I got contracted to work with young, young boys, like between nine and 13, mm. um, using hip hop as a, as a means of, of storytelling and performance. You know, it's, it's funny, I feel like what I learned and realized from my own experience as a young man, um, as a teenager growing up, is I was always wanting to be heard. And what drew me to hip hop so much was I saw these artists who just didn't really give a damn about what the media was saying, whether it was Chuck D, um, you know, what history was saying, if it was KRS-One, um, what public perception was, if it was Nas or Big Daddy Kane or Queen Latifah. You know, it was definitely not just a bravado for being cocky. It was, right. I got something to say. It's important. You need to hear it. You have been told the wrong story. You haven't been told the full story. Right. You don't really know what's real. I do because I'm living that. Let me tell you about it. Right. But I'm going to also make you bop your head to it and you're going to groove on it and you're going to feel it. So whether it was X-Clan, Poor Righteous Teachers, you know, De La Soul, I can go on and on and on and on. I can name the whole pantheon. Um, the, 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 the through line for all of them has always been this necessity to bring you the reality that wasn't being exposed or shown. Right. And, and them being firsthand accounts. Right. right. First person perspectives. As I, as I love to say, hip hop as journalism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a no brainer to me because, you know, not to date myself, but the idea of, of teaching artists, the idea of bringing contemporary art into a school where you're going to allow students to create their own work. You know, art has always been in schools in some capacity in terms of the classics, right? Sure. You learn how to play an instrument. Uh, you do theater and right. you do traditional theater. You don't do devised theater. You don't do hip hop theater. You do Shakespeare or you right. you do some type of like Broadway play. And that's great. And that's wonderful. And it, it's, it's necessary. It's needed. It should be. But teaching artists and art education kind of diverge for a moment where, wait a minute, these individuals, these young people have amazing imaginations. They have stories to tell. They have a willingness and a desire and a need to tell them. Let's give them the tools. Let's give them the guidance and let's give them the space to do it. And that's what excited me about the, the work. And that's what I saw, especially when it came to spoken word poetry and hip hop, because the format and the form is so open. It can literally be anything. It's all about an authenticity to the author. It's all about are you talking about something you really understand and know? And even right. if you didn't live it, you need to really be able to um, convey that you have a knowledge or a sense of it. You can't just mm. say stuff to say stuff because people would check you on it, right? Yeah. So even if you're Nas, who wasn't a gangster and he wasn't a killer and he wasn't necessarily you know, a big time drug dealer, he's from Queensbridge. He was in Queensbridge. He wasn't really just in his window looking. <laughs> You know, right. everybody likes to kind of make that joke. But the reality of it is, it's like, homie was real. He was on the block. He was in the midst of it. He just wasn't of it, you right. know? So that is something hugely attractive to a young mind of 13, 14, 15, et cetera. When you give them the opportunity 
um, or you open the way for them to do so because they're going to take it regardless. Um, sure. The question becomes, can you be a part of the process? And that's that's what excited me when I first started getting into the work and what excites me still today. And, and I think that's the uniqueness and the power of rap within the pantheon of, of, of hip hop for me. And really all of the, the forms in some way um, can and do to tell a story, express a reality, express a truth, you know, through the physical form of dance, uh, through the visual forms of graffiti, uh, you know, the sonics of production and DJing, you know, you're still telling a story. Mm. Um, I just, because I'm a, I'm a, I love words. I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge staunch supporter and advocate of the written and the spoken language. Um, I think it gets a lot of unnecessary sort of like, sort of pushing to the side, but I think we all read and speak and write, or or at least the goal is for us to aspire to that. That's a, a primary way we communicate. Why not master that? Um, right. Why not f find the best ways to manipulate it? So that's, that's where I'm at. And I think that hip hop as a culture has always been so inviting because it, it's telling you, come as you are, speak your reality, say it with force, say it with pride, say it with strength, and you're going to get accepted. Right. Just as long as you come real. <laughs> right. And right. you come raw. Right. You don't, it doesn't really matter if you speak English or you speak Czech or, you're, right. oh, you know, you're a woman or, you know, whatever identity you have. And that's not to say that we're not insulated from misogyny and all these other things because we're not because we're still living in a, in a society that breeds that <laughs> breeds that and, yeah. and and champions those things opposed to you know equality and equity and right. and safeness but but i i would i i would contend and, and i think you've been witness to this on in certain communities and spaces where the the culture in of itself is that it's it's the raw tenets it's code of hey you got to be nice you got to spit some realness those those people that do that it doesn't really matter where they're from or what they look like people, right. people like i feel you the inclusivity of it, uh, potential for inclusivity has always been there and it's always been and it still is there. And I think that it's um, perhaps growing and that's good. You know, we have this commodified mainstream entertainment genre that, you know, rap and hip hop is too often solely uh, affiliated with. Right. Yeah, and I absolutely. think this, but you're talking about the balance, all this other stuff that is is there and has always been there. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think even that's been blurring the lines a little bit in the mainstream to a certain degree. You know, you still have individuals, you know, that that are popular figures that are that are saying things that are that are dangerous or not safe, like a, a Rick Ross or some of the things that Migos has kind of, you know, said or alluded to. Right. Um, but I would I would also say if we if we kind of uh, peel back the whole picture, you do have this sort of reflection of what youth are today. And what one of the things that it has been very great about this generation is their willingness to be who they are. Um, their energy in asserting, you know what, I'm queer and I'm not going to hide that. And, right. in, and in fact, even further, I'm going to check you and I'm going to go with you for not being so. I'm not going to stand here in the dark and wait for you to accept me. You're going to accept me and I'm going to make you take a look at yourself right, um, right. or then I can't even be around you. And right. now I have I have that support and I, I see I see a lot of energy in that. And that's crossing over to hip hop. You look at people like Extension, um, which I'm not a fan of, um, not just because of the creative music, but he also is, is problematic. But, you know, you see his representation and, and how he presents himself. Little mm. Uzi Vert, how he presents himself. Young right. Thug, how he presents himself. Rich Homie Kwan, how he presents himself. Cardi B. They're clearly representing more than just what we have expected to be in terms of like, I guess, a a heteronormative or right. a more conservative look. You've got bright colors. You've got more flamboyance. You've got all of these things that really kind of speak to how young people are like, I'm going to wear and do and be whatever I'm going to be. And if you mm -hmm. don't like it, middle finger to you. Right. I'm not changing. Um, right. Which is I, always, which has always been hip hop. Which has always been, right. Which is right. Always, and which I know is, it drives, I know it's nails on the chalkboard for purists and traditionalists, you know, musically, I think sound wise and what they're delivering as their product. Yeah. Uh, and even as, you know, how they present themselves. But, you know, that's kind of what this has always been about. And if we start to see that that's opening some doors to to open, at least start these conversations and pass that showing young people today that you don't have to, again, be tied to any what was considered normal. That's I think that's a positive thing. I, I do, too. And, and I'm one of those people that I definitely wrestle with that. You know, I come from 
you know, the 90s and the, the late 80s generation. Um, I'm a little bit on the younger spectrum of that, but I wrestle with that too because there's a lot of the, the music and the creative aspects that I'm not really for. Right. But, but you know, when I step back, and again, as we're having this conversation, you know, being honest and, you know, what are the things that really have made hip hop something that was never going to go away and it's going into its fifth decade? Right. That's becoming institutionalized right under our noses. That's right. becoming entrenched in the Americana and that story as a bedrock of a creative expression that defines the United States and the American experience when only three decades before it was being laughed at from the mainstream and the masses as some little ghetto trend fab that only a bunch of little black kids did. Now yeah. it's in the Smithsonian. Now it's got archives in Cornell University and in Harvard. You have right. it being studied from Stanford to Columbia. The Brooklyn Academy of Music and Lincoln Center are about it. Yep. Kennedy Center just Kennedy got Q-tip with the artistic director. So we're not talking about a fad anymore. We're not talking about a trend anymore. We're talking about a cultural creative force that is considered a part of the fabric and the narrative of the American experience. And when you start digging into that, you realize it's really telling us about ourselves through throughout that whole thing. So I'll say all that to say, I have to look at artists today, new artists, and be a little bit more critical of the things that I'm not comfortable with and not from a not from an identity standpoint, but just from a from a music standpoint and go, okay, I don't necessarily have to rock with that part. But from a cultural perspective, from a historical perspective, the kids are doing exactly what hip hop is designed to do. They're carrying that forward. It's really about us finding the ways, especially the, the, the older generation, how we can speak about it in those terms. I think sometimes what ends up with, with, with our generation, Manny, is we get into, I'll call it sports talk radio mode, you yeah. know, or the top five debate. I know we, we've joked about this before, yep. where it's like, who's your best five? Who's the <laughs> GOAT? And it's like, and those are great, and those are fun conversations. But I think, at least for me, even though I, I have them, and I have them in jest with my friends, and, and it's it's fun to have, sure. it from a serious critical, cultural, sociological conversation, it doesn't really serve a purpose, right? Because right. at the end of the day, your creative is whatever subjective. Doesn't mean I'm gonna change what I think is 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 dope or not. But right. if we're talking about the larger conversation, about the importance and about the culture continuing to grow and about its importance continuing to be manifested and preserved, then we'll die if we just say, well, all the dopeness stopped in 1998. <laughs> Right. And all of this stuff is not it's like, well, then then you've you basically cut off your nose to spite your face. And now you're unmooring all of the work and all of the foundation that's been done. That's just being manifested by an, a new generation. And I think that's the right. I think that's the that's the complexity. That's one part of the complexity of the conversation. So I can absolutely be like, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to go buy designer's record, but I can defend and understand where his musical path and the what he's expressing and conveying for the right. youth and his own community today is very much hip hop is just as important. And if we don't allow it to be completely co-opted, we can still use as a tool to right. be anti. And I think that's, I think that's the work outside of the microphone for me is what I'm sort of trying to kind of convey. And as an educator sort of trying to convey is, is that, and, and yeah. for me, it's not about theory. It's literally like I'm in a classroom with these young people listening to them and talking to them about what they like. I'm at Rikers Island through uh, Cyphers for Justice talking mm. with the young men who are incarcerated and not trying to give them a one-on-one on LL Cool J and Def Jam, more like, okay, so you're feeling, you know, whomever you're feeling. You're, you're feeling... Uh, 21 Savage. Yeah, 21 or Savage that? or whatever yeah. have you. Let's, let's work with him. Let's work with that energy at least. Let's let's take right. that and see how we can craft that and really instead of trying to mimic or emulate, you know, whatever the reality he's talking about that you might be able to relate to, but you have another reality that you also haven't really talked about and that's just as deep and that's just as powerful. So let's let's kind of give you the whole pick. Let's let's try to have you talk about your whole picture as well without taking away from saying, well, you can't do that. It's not real. It's like, no, <laughs> right. it's, you got more real than you know. Let's talk mm. about the whole of that right, and get into right. that. And then use that power of hip hop, that same aggression, um, that same energy, uh, that same skill and style right. to to bring that out. Because that's the thing. When you hit, and I think that's why hip hop has been co-opted because hip hop makes everybody cool. 
<laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it makes it makes the most dorkiest dude cool. <laughs> right. That's the other thing people don't read on the low. A lot of, here's the dirty secret. A lot of people in rap are nerds. <laughs> and not and not just new rappers, old rappers. Like rap is like any other art form. To really be a creative person, you kind of have to actually you don't got time to smoke a cigarette and just chill out in the back of the lunchroom. You're trying to figure out these tools and knobs and buttons and yeah. you know, you know, you're trying to come pontificate about the universe and shit. That's nerdy. That's <laughs> right. not that's not cool. Cool people sit in the mirror all day and see how quaffed they are. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. They're trying to go to the cool, you know what I mean? Like cool that's that's cool. And they're, pe they're peacocking. <laughs> exactly. And and obviously Rap and hip hop has always been about being fresh and da da da. But we don't. We never want to talk about Marley Marl breaking down, like figuring out, you know, the sampler yeah, or yeah. or or Flash and Hurt. You know, well, that, that's that's engineering, right? It's it's low key engineering, <laughs> right? I am not the the biggest Yay fan by any stretch of the imagination, and I'll probably get hunted by some of your fans on this podcast for saying this, I but. But you never know. But but what I can't take from him, and what's very clear, he is a nerd. Right. He is a, he is he is a geek to the utmost. This dude picks things apart. He deconstructs things. He reconstructs things. He is constantly trying to whittle and tear and peel away and understand and dissect and reattach. That's that, cool. People don't got time for all that. That's <laughs> right. not what cool people do. So right. so it's there's def, there's definitely um, not a work ethic. But uh, but uh, but an inquiry, uh, an imagination, an intelligence that's built into the craft of yeah. trying to figure it out. Even if you're trying to push boundaries and be experimental, and you're trying to do everything that's not on the table. Which, by the way, is mm. also when you really get into the philosophy of the culture. That is a, a clear tenet. If you did it, I can't. If you did it, I got to do something that is. Two leagues different from that because right. I cannot be compared to you. I can't be. Oh, you're the next Eminem. Nah, that's not gonna work. Oh, right. you, you, man, you be sound like Kanye. You Kanye. It's like ah, that's not gonna work. And I know there's this thing with like tight beats now, um, with producers. I was just reading an article about this, um, where there's a lot of producers now that are actually profiting off of basically creating derivatives of like popular producers and right. leasing those beats. And that's become like a real culture and it's been a real money generator. And I think those are the things that I think about that complicate these things more in terms of because we are still dealing with now that it's mainstream, now yeah. that it's in the public consciousness. That means now it is fully in the in the teeth and the throes of capitalism. So now we're looking at it through this lens where some of that sort of I guess what a, what what we purists would consider like the code and the ethic sort of gets put secondary in the face of commerce. But mm. it's very clear that there are multiple strands and multiple dimensions within this whole universe of hip hop. So you can actually have both live side by side. You have to just make the choice. We can argue about, well, you know, some is more important than others, or these people are stopping us from doing it. It's like, we can, you can kind of look that way, or you can realize there are a lot of people on this planet, um, myself being one of them, humble brag, who's, mm -hmm. who's, you know, being flown all the way around the world, on a regular basis, who is talking and speaking with people in other places outside of the area code of one one two one seven or one one two two six about this about this culture, and I'm never going to be on anybody's magazine's front page. I'm never right. going to. I doubt that Charlemagne's going to invite me to the Breakfast Club anytime <laughs> soon. Right. And I don't know if I'd even take the invite. But right, I'm definitely a part of a large discussion of influencers, and a lot of us are names that the, a lot of people don't know. I told you, man, I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm a low-key Wakandan war dog up in this. You, you don't even realize I'm there. I'm, I'm there, but I'm everywhere. <laughs> I hear you. I want to ask you a little bit uh, to give me an example. When you say you travel around and you do workshops, especially internationally or, you know, throughout the, the boroughs, throughout the country, what's an example? You talked about Rikers Island, the Cyphers for Justice program. Give, give some people who aren't familiar with how hip hop is is being used in in some of these ways? What it, what kind of workshops that you put together? Just briefly. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, one of the programs that I've been a part of and 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 helped to to build from the ground up has been um, Cyphers for Justice, uh, founded by Dr. Lima Ruiz Caballero and co-founder and director Dr. Jamila Lascott, who I worked with also at Urban Word. I'm the one of the site coordinators, co-coordinator of our Rikers program, which is now being um, rebranded as uh, Flip the Script. And what we do is we go into Rikers Island twice a year and do a week-long intensive, you know, basically creating 
content um, for for young men, or not us creating it, but guiding and supporting young men, um, creating content with video, song, and podcasting, you know, around their story. Um, mm. And the premise is, you know, the world's been telling us who you are. You're this serial number at Rikers. You're a thug because you're from this place. You're, right. you're a criminal because you're on Rikers. But that's not your story. That's their story. That's their story about you. What's right. your story? What mm. are the things that you you have done that matter to you who do you see yourself as let's talk about that and then let's put that to a beat or put that on camera make it look fresh and you can talk about the things that um that matter to you give me some specific if you can like not specifics but something that stood out to you in doing this work that really uh exemplifies like why that's so powerful blending hip-hop with storytelling and, and giving folks you know an opportunity to tell their story because it unearths hidden gems, Manny. Um, mm. It's the, what I always used to say, and I, and I kind of stopped saying it only because of, of people's kind of like the way in which they, they process things and I never want to be misconstrued, but hip hop sets a low bar for invitation. You don't, you don't have to have a hundred plus dollar instrument. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars to get tutors. You don't need to be in a specific mm. place and get equipment. There's a reason why basketball is such a popular sport in urban areas. It's not just because it's cool. It's because the only thing you need is a ball and there's a hoop already there. It's the same reason why football, soccer is the world's global game. It's not just because it's fun or it's interesting. It's because a pickup game can just happen on a field. Right. As right. opposed to with, with all due respect to the sports, because it's not about that. But like in football, you have to have hundreds of hundreds of dollars of equipment. You actually have all of these different techniques that have to be to keep you safe. Same right. thing with hockey. Hockey. I was going to say, try playing hockey, hockey right. without it's, any equipment. <laughs> and people and people don't think about these things to that depth. They're just like, oh, it just happens to happen. It's like, no, 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 no. It's one of economics, economics of space, economics of money. So the, the beautiful thing about the program is, is that which is stuff that I don't need to know. I already know. Right. You know, we at Cypher's Return, that's why we're there. But it's always beautiful to see these young men's brilliance be shown to people who have thought otherwise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a private little, like, I told you so, when they get to do their thing. Because you're like, yeah, you thought they were just some whatever. But, you know, I've had some of the deepest conversations, some of the deepest, like, literary critical theory conversations in the in inside of Rikers Island with seventeen year olds breaking down why they love Kendrick but they also love Drill and how both of those are real but they're doing completely two different things mm. and why that matters in their own words and right, you're right. like oh so you know the old heads like they don't know rap music they don't know what it's about yeah. it's not about us like no 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 they've actually really like nah I need to turn up. Kendrick's right. not my turn up. Kendrick, right. though, when I need to study the stars and the moon and the earth and the galaxy, I sit down with him and I sit down right. with him regularly. But, yo, when I'm feeling like I want to punch a wall, I can't listen to him. I'm going to go listen to so-and-so. Right, right, right. You know what it I shows, mean? It shows the really the breath. You know, you talk about it a little earlier. We said the, the, the cultural vastness of hip hop and everything associated with. Well, it's never going to be in a box. It's never going to be monolithic. Right. It's going to be complicated it's because it mirrors humanity. It mirrors people yeah you know what it is manny people don't want to say it the kids have taste they know what they're listening to they know why they're listening to it and Um, and most and most importantly it's it's a way as you said to now give them the opportunity to express themselves in a language their cultural language their their way of seeing the world their perspective and the art form that comes along with it and it's very natural that way and not just guys that are in, sitting in Rikers, not just people in you know black and brown communities, but really youth, young people in general, knowing how you know hip hop and rap has it touched everybody. It's it's that easy way in where asking them to sit, you know, write an essay about themselves or might be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's the way in which they speak. It's, it's, yeah. it's the it's the language in which they speak for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for sure. I don't know how much you've dealt with this or, you know, going into institutions like Rikers Island, bringing your curation and your program management to BAM, although you won't want to say anything uh, there. But, you know, what are some of the challenges that you might have seen either yourself or through colleagues in this, you know, in this field? We talk about bringing hip hop into the classroom. What are some of the, you know, traditional or, or some of the hindrances or challenges bringing this stuff into institutions that are traditionally not affiliated with hip hop? 
Oh yeah, music sure. And culture. Yeah, sure. I I, I can and, and I I can speak I can speak about Bantown. I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid <laughs> to do that. Um, and and and, and, I, and shouts the BAM for oh even, shouts you know, the BAM opening yeah. the door. Wait, you know, and yeah, yeah, all those institutions that are now seeing it. What you know, but what, but yeah, it's not always easy. No, no, I love BAM. Way more way more positives for me in, in my career. What they're looking to do than than the negatives for sure. But even I w- I would dare say without speaking for him, I I'd even dare say my director if he, if he heard this would agree with me. And and this is not and what I'm saying is it's not exclusive to BAM. It's indicative right. of everything with these institutions. The right. biggest challenge is is really educating them on the power and the value of hip hop as a cultural piece, as opposed to a trend or an economic commodity. There's right. still this lack of understanding that hip hop as a philosophy, as an ideology as a cultural piece that has a high art and a craft to it is hugely connecting and hugely impactful and deeply, deeply, deeply rooted in some of the most important aspects of the way in which we critique and define culture and ideas and kind of hold like historical narrative. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of places are just like, but wait, I just thought it's a bunch of young kids kind of like dancing and going crazy. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, I thought it's just a bunch of aggressive. That, that is still 40 plus years later is still kind of people's first instinctual like, well, isn't rap just a bunch of people talking about drugs in a strip club? Like right. that's still, well, no, 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 it's actually like this other thing um, and, and has always been. That's around it. That's a part of it. But again, right. it's like there's more real than is being revealed. Right, um, right. And that's that's really the primary challenge, because what ends up happening is this. From that is where the other things like resources, like support, right. uh, like advocacy for non-traditional artists. It all right. stems. You never would say like, oh, we don't want this soprano to come in to sing this opera. Like, what is that about? Like, people are like, it's opera. It's, <laughs> right. It's it's the most esteemed musical form of of human existence. What do you you know what I mean? You don't you don't even you right. don't you don't even blink. You know right. if 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 Winford Marsalis is I want to do a concert in the park. It's like oh when what day do you want? <laughs> right. And, and and rightfully so. But then you know what? That should also be the case for Farrell Munch. That should also mm. be the case for Nitty Scott. That should also be the case for Omega Cipherella. That should also be the case for McCallumine. Because right. we're doing similar work. We have a similar power and impact. We have now crossed over the threshold of being something that had a shelf life. We are now right. Americana. We are right. now the way this country sees itself, expresses itself, and tells its story, the whole mm. story. So you need to be, you need to actually um, respect that. And, there's, and that's still a yeah. process. And, yeah. And, yeah, it's still a process. And so what do you do? Do you, you know, is it just showing improving? You know, I've heard people say, listen, we, you know, we show them. We we have research now. We actually have hip hop research. We have, you know, education. We have proof. We got the receipts. It's, 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 it's all of that. It's all of that. And then just being very much in the spirit of the culture. Like, right. guess what? I'm kicking in the door. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm coming and there's nothing you can really do about it. And I'll be honest with you, you know, to a lot of people's credit, um, that I've worked with and seen and all praises to the universe and, and everything. Mm-hmm. I've been able to be a part of teams and been able to be a part of ideas and created some ideas of my own that have worked really well. And I think on the institutional level, be it academic, be it in art culture, results is really the name of the game. So right. if it's filling seats, if it's getting really good press, if the work when you see it presented, you're like, wow. Right. Um, it becomes a lot easier conversation to have. Right. And, and I think that's what I've been doing. And I think that's what drives me. It's how can I continue to put my music personally as an artist, mm-hmm. the work of my young people and the people that I bring in as a producer, how can I put them in the best light? How right. can I make sure that everything that's getting put on the table is fresh, it's hot, it's flavorful. You can't get enough of it. You want to eat it. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the challenge that I put forth with myself. 
And I just, yeah, I th- okay. I, I was just going to say, I think that that's a challenge of a lot of people doing work that isn't necessarily, you know, look, at the, at the start or, or not necessarily um, known much about. Is you just got to, you just got to keep doing it. You just got to keep putting it out there, putting your best foot forward with hope, obviously, and, and with the work of others who, like I said, I don't do that work that you do, but I'm very happy to tell people about it. That's my role. Yeah. You know what I mean? That we all need to kind of just, but I, I need y'all to keep doing good work because yeah. when I'm telling people about it, I need to be able to say, look here, go here and point to y'all and, and you and many of the colleagues uh, that you've spoken about that I'm speaking to are doing that work. And that's just it, you know, just keep doing it. Yeah. What, yeah. A little, a little insight, something that I've learned and, and it's what they call it. When I, since I've been at BAM and, and urban word and been in some of these other spaces like Columbia university and, and overseas places like Dortmund university, which I'm going back to this year um, in Germany, shouts to Dortmund. There's this little word that they love called precedent. Mm. And it, it essentially is, well, if it works before, then we're going to stick with that. If it's something that has been created as a norm, it's only because something has happened prior. It's worked. They tried it again. It worked. Now it's just how we do things. So they're right. very, they're very anemic to change. Right, right, right. And that's another challenge. With that said, one of the things that I've been able to establish for my career and I think you probably, if you talk to anyone who's, who's been doing something for some time, it's about consistency. The thing that I've been able to hang my hat on as an artist and a producer is when my name comes up, you kind of know what you're going to get and you like what you get. Right. So I might not be for everybody. I'm not saying that everybody likes my flavor, but right. if people have a certain, if they like like, you know, double fudge mocha in mind, my brand of double fudge mocha is right. always really good. So let's right. go get him. And I think any curator that's been successful, any producer that's been successful, that's what it's about. You've consistently been able to be a part of and produce and create something that right. people go, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, right. bring bring that. Go, yeah, go, you're go. not creating you're not just creating things. You're creating value and people recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. I got two questions before we get out of here. I just want to ask you real quick. Your work mer- uh, merging hip hop and, you know, into all these spaces and uh, again, you know, these uh, programs that you've worked with definitely help those who are intimately connected to hip hop music and culture. The rest of the world says, like I said, black and brown kids, minority communities, da 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 da. I'd like to hear your, your quick insight on it. Again, if you're bringing hip hop into educational spaces, mm-hmm. what's the potential universally for that, not just in you know, communities of color, which I think, you know, most people think is the only place that this is something that can be effective. Well, uh, well I, I think the potential is infinite. And I think that um, the best example that I can tell you about that I'm directly involved with actually at the University of Dortmund, uh, the last three years, they've created what's called hip hop school. And literally what it is, is it's a summer arts youth camp for four days where students ages like eight to about 13 learn two of the hip-hop arts they either get an opportunity to do break dancing or um in the case of me we do rap workshops we we create a little crew we get rap names we kind of build a rapport and then they and then they learn how to to write and perform rap music i partner with uh, another mc in dortmund his name is um slack and then through the university of dortmund and then their institutional space dortmund or you um, the last two summers, I've gone out there and worked with these young people, and then they actually have a summer concert series where mm. they present an artist, which uh, the last two years, it's me, and we work with the young people and have them kind of present. So they basically like open up um, and do their music and they do their, their dance performance, and then I'll perform, but I spend the whole week there working with them to create their, their work. My my guess is that they're not rapping about drugs and and uh, strip clubs. They're they're not they're not, <laughs> and they're also they're also coming from what a lot of people would consider definitely non-urban spaces. They're not right. they're not in the hood, even though Dortmund has a hood. I've been to it several times. Dortmund definitely Every, has ev- everywhere's got a hood. Everywhere's got a hood. <laughs> um, Dortmund definitely has a hood. But the thing about what makes it authentic is we're not also doing like cotton candy rap either. And they're young, right. so you know they're not gonna necessarily be super gritty either. But they're sure. but they're saying real things that are happening and real things that they see. So they talk about like diversity um in Dortmund and like what they want to see. And they speak back against people that are oppressive in their music and what they're talking about. So mm. it's all about 
the potential is universal because the tenets of the culture, even though it is a black music, a black brown music, uh, traditionally, in terms of who created it, who was For the sure. originators of it, the ideas in order to participate are just the ideas of humanity. Be mm-hmm. yourself. Be real. Come correct. Do things at a high level. Speak your truth. Tell a story. That's just the human experience. Hip hop mm. just creates an, a way and an avenue where you don't have as many barriers, be they fiscal, financial, be they environmental, to, to kind of be able to do that. And because it was something that didn't really get quickly usurped into the institutions like a jazz or a classical music, because everybody doesn't realize this too, right? Like, as esteemed as poetry on the page is, poetry used to be something that was considered dangerous. It was something for the common folk. We might be talking about an ancient Roman and Greek times, but its esteem wasn't something that was guaranteed when it became what it became. Right. Beethoven was not like the the high whatever, whatever when he started. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? And and you can say the same about, like you said, jazz, for example. Jazz for a long time was derided, you know, by by, or or different different iterations of jazz specifically, you know, the the trending, the the changing uh, sounds of jazz. Uh, Again, the commoners, you know, that's not, you know, and it's part of that uh, institutionalized outlook where you don't want too much progressiveness. Yeah. From certain communities, <laughs> right? We forget about we forget about that history for everything we've mentioned because they made it, right? For sure. I want to take it out with one question. You've kind of touched on it a little bit. It's sort of like the the question I'm asking at the end of these interviews. The name of this podcast is "Hip Hop Can Save America," ha. Which, <laughs> which, right? Which now it's a lofty. Why are you theory. putting this on us, Manny? Why we got to save America? Listen, Why do we got to do it? <laughs> I didn't say by itself. I didn't say it was the only you know possible solution. Okay, good. Um, and it may be a lofty theory. I didn't say only hip hop can save America. But in your experience, and I, and I want to get this from your perspective, you know, briefly while we wrap, is what are the best reasons uh, that you could you know express to people who again may not be in of the culture, not that knowledgeable, especially, but even for us inside to remember uh, some of the best reasons to consider hip hop music and culture when looking for ways to truly improve lives and livelihoods and communities in this country? Because at its purest, it invites everyone to tell their story. At its purest, it demands that you tell the whole story and reveal what isn't revealed. And the only way for America to kind of redeem itself for its sins of racism for its demands of global hoarding of economic resources, of its war making, is for it to come to terms with those faults, acknowledge those faults so that it can figure out the ways that it could be better. Hip hop inherently forces you to look in the mirror or puts the microscope squarely on you. So if America is going to be saved, it's got to kind of accept and admit to its fault and its deficiencies and stop trying to create this sort of like mythical idea that we're the purveyors of freedom and justice and that we are the best economic system just happenly because we have the most. When when you look at the history, you know like that wasn't a fair game. It was definitely a shell game. There was definitely a lot of bullying going on. It wasn't so clean and, you know, John Wayne-ish. So, and not only that, the richest uh, societies that have ever existed no longer exist in their domination. So right. that, that's not a guarantee either, just that you have all the stuff. Absolutely. So, right. so that's how if hip hop is, if we decide we want to save America, I don't know if America needs saving, or I don't, I don't know if we want to save America, but if, but if hip hop's going to have a, a role in that, it's because of that. It's because when you really get to the, to the actual pure core tenet of what the culture is about, you have to be real. And I think I think that's what America really needs a dose of right now is reality, mm. its own reality, and not right. the one it tries to create and pick and choose. That's what's up. Well, my friend, that is real, and I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate your insight, and uh, you know, you kicking it with me today, really dropping a lot of gems. Uh, it's exactly what I'm I'm looking for. It's exactly what I I want others to hear, and I, you know, I support your work. I wish you all the best. You always have my support, whatever you need. Yeah, can I and, can um, I get a couple shouts real quick on the way out? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, for That's sure. That's we do. Um, please check me out. Fresh Like Roots. Roots Like Reggae. Fresh Roots Music. You can find me on all platforms. Spotify, 
Instagram. My website's freshreachmusic.com. I got a couple of dope things that I'm a part of coming up. Amazia Records, a dope record company out of Lyon, France. They're dropping their first project ever. I'm a part of that. It's called Convergences, Volume 1. Amazia, check that out. A-M-E-S-I-A Records. And then a New York City legend stalwart. Dope, dope brother from Stronghold by the name of Breeze Everflowing. It's a new record, The Future Urgency of Now. I'm also on that record with a bunch of other amazing people. Lifelong from Stronghold, Immortal Technique, DJ Rob Swift's a part of that. Some of our friends and fam, Cooley High, Core Rhythm, Adam Seven, a.k.a. Mecha Godzilla, Rap Poet, Self Suffice. Really, really dope project of music. But you can also check me again at Fresh Roots Music. I'm in these streets all day, every day. That's how it goes. And I encourage everyone to do so. As always, this is uh, one of the leaders in all the things that we want from hip-hop music and culture exists. And you, sir, continue to be proof of that. And uh, I'm here to preach that gospel on your behalf. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Hip-Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip-Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip-hop culture. We're also brought to you by the Newsbeat Podcast, hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. It also incorporates hip-hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. Find Newsbeat by More Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip-Hop Can Save America with Manny Faces airs weekly, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show, TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. Hip-Hop Can Save America is created and hosted by me, Manny Faces. I also produce the theme music. Special thanks to our associate producer, Summer McCoy. You can find out more about me at mannyfaces.com. And find out more about Summer's hip-hop and tech-related initiative, Hip Hop Hacks, at hiphophacks.com. Thank you for listening. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com. Filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.